This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church Podcast. For more information about us, who we are, or how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. We're, uh, we looked at prayers of intercession, praying for other people. Uh, we uh, had talked about prayers of gratitude, prayers of thanksgiving, and we are going to talk today about confession. Um, how easy it is for us to uh, uh, ask um, for material things, but how important it is to ask for the spiritual things. Uh, forgiveness is the key to life. Uh, Luther had put it this way, where there is forgiveness, there's life and salvation. So uh, the, the cross is all about forgiveness, which is all about life. So we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness and uh, got a video to look at, and we are going to pray. Let's do it. Well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for uh, this day, a day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad, and we do rejoice. We are glad that we are called together here, that we would be able to uh, be in your word, uh, be able to have a fuller appreciation of not only confessing, but receiving forgiveness, living in forgiveness, sharing forgiveness. And so uh, may this hour be one that uh, glorifies you as it strengthens us. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome to Nurturing Your Faith, a Bible study designed to help you and me grow in our faith as Christians. My name is Don Everts, and I'm the host of Nurturing Your Faith. On behalf of the whole Lutheran Hour Ministries team, I invite you to open your Bible with us and see how God can use his powerful word to grow our faith. In this installment of Nurturing Your Faith, we're considering how our faith as Christians is nurtured as we engage in prayers of confession. What exactly are prayers of confession? Well, we are praying a prayer of confession anytime we spend a few moments confessing our sins to God. We might confess a recent sin that the Holy Spirit has convicted us about. Or maybe we spend time reflecting back over the last few weeks, taking note of where we may have sinned and moved right on with life, never giving it a second thought. We reflect back, and as we remember those sins, we confess them to God. However we approach it, confession is meant to be a regular part of our prayer life. Remember that part of the Lord's Prayer Jesus wants us to pray on a regular basis? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But does this particular kind of prayer, prayers of confession, help nurture our faith? Consider my friend Mark who reminded me in an unforgettable way of how powerful confession is. I first met Mark when I was partnering with a ministry in Russia. I had flown to Moscow and then taken a train hours and hours to the north of the country where I met the leaders of a beautiful ministry run by local Russians. Mark was one of the leaders and I got to know him as we made preparations for our ministry partnership and as he took me on a memorable tour of his snow-laden city. Mark had grown up in this very city, he told me. In fact, as we toured the downtown area at the center of the city, Mark told me that in his youth and well into his 20s, 
Mark had been a gangster in this very town. I thought I had misheard him at first, but he was very clear. He had always been a, a strong guy, solid, good with his fists, and he had done many terrible things over the years, he told me. So much so that by the time he was married and starting to have children, he said he just felt dirty. That's how he put it to me. He felt dirty. All of these unspeakable things that he had done clung to him. His guilt was palpable. About that time in his life, he went on a camping vacation with a friend who told him as they hiked around in the Russian wilderness about Jesus' work on the cross and that forgiveness for our sins was possible. Mark was stunned, he told me. So he asked the friend, telling him about Jesus, what do I do? I need to be cleaned of all this. Help me become a Christian. This is where Mark's story gets fascinating. His friend said, listen, it's late at night. Tomorrow is a Sunday. We'll go to a church service and you can meet with a pastor, okay? So Mark told me he went off to bed. But then he said, I couldn't sleep. This spiritual dirt on me was too much. The possibility that it could be gone was too wonderful. So he went and he woke up his friend in the middle of the night and he said, please, will you show me how to receive this forgiveness? His friend talked with him, but again encouraged him to wait until the morning when they were at a church. So Mark went back to bed, but he couldn't sleep three times that night. He begged his friend to show him how to become a Christian and have his guilt washed away. Three times, his friend told him to wait. Can you imagine that? Mark told me that he didn't sleep a wink that night. And the next morning, he was sitting at the edge of his pew, waiting with bated breath as the preacher preached. Mark told me he couldn't remember a word of that sermon. But as soon as the sermon was over and the pastor invited anyone who wanted to come forward to confess their sins and proclaim their faith in Jesus, Mark said at that point he ran, literally ran up to the altar of the church. At this point in his story, as we were walking around, Mark paused and I pressed him. I said, and what happened? And with a smile on his face, in his broken English, he said, I prayed. I confessed all of those sins, every one of them, all the terrible things that I had done. I trusted Jesus. And afterwards, I felt like, like a blank sheet of paper. That last part confused me. And so I asked him about it. What do you mean? And Mark clarified. He, he held up his hand like it was a piece of paper. And he said, think of a blank sheet of paper, Don. There's nothing written on it. It's clean. That image has stuck with me ever since. And so has that story of Mark just staying up all night longing to know how to get rid of his sins and be forgiven. Mark's story reminds me of how beautiful forgiveness is. You know, I've read verses like Colossians 2 verses 13 to 14 that reads, God has forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. I've read those verses before, but when Mark told me his story, it reminded me of how beautiful that gift of forgiveness really is. It also reminds me of how important 
prayers of confession are. When I confess my sins to God, I am reminded anew of the gift of forgiveness. When I pray prayers of confession, God is doing something inside of me. He's refreshing and strengthening my own experience of being as clean as a blank sheet of paper. I'll never forget what happened several years ago when I came across a book on the Lord's Prayer called, We Dare to Say Our Father. That was the name of the book. And this book suggested that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, not so that we would just memorize it and recite it on a regular basis, but so that we would pray it on a regular basis. After all, Jesus introduced the Lord's Prayer not by saying, recite this, but by saying, pray then like this. And then he gave us a series of prayers that really function like sturdy buckets into which we can pour our own prayers. For example, instead of just saying, forgive us our debts, and then moving on, we can pray, forgive us our debts, and then stop and fill up that phrase with our own prayers by listing out and confessing our sins. That book on the Lord's Prayer transformed how I pray the Lord's Prayer personally. Every time I do pray it, I say that phrase, forgive us our debts. And then I stop and I pray prayers of confession. I confess any recent sin that the Holy Spirit has convicted me of. I reflect back over the last few weeks to confess any sins I may have committed and moved right on from. And here's the thing. There's something about getting specific. There's something about naming all my sins that strengthens my experience of God's forgiveness. As I pray prayers of confession, I experience God's grace, and that nurtures my faith. Do prayers of confession nurture our own faith? They have with Mark. They have with me. How about you? Do you have personal experience with prayers of confession? Have you explored what God's Word reveals to us about confessing our sins to God? Well, that's what this installment of Nurturing Your Faith is all about. I invite you, enter into this fascinating Bible study prepared for you by our team here at Lutheran Our Ministries. May God use this study to teach us about prayers of confession. May we feel the freedom to confess our sins openly to our Heavenly Father. May we rejoice in how clean and forgiven we are. And as Paul put it in 2 Thessalonians, may your faith grow abundantly. Thoughts or comments? Are they persecuting Christians in Russia? I, you know, the last I heard in Russia, it was kind of like, it's okay to be a Christian if you're old, because you're all going to die off, and then we don't have to worry about you. So, I think it's a, I think they're tolerated to an extent. I don't think it's one of those where. Um, there's a whole lot of evangelism going on with the the leader's knowledge. Yeah. Yep. 
Nance. Well, I'm not certainly going to compare myself to the gentleman in, you know, that he was talking about, but I can tell you that um, 40 some years ago when Pastor Pingle first started this Wednesday Bible class, um, he probably hated me because um, we were down there and after the class I would trot down after him and I had something heavy on my heart and I would talk to him and you know, the next week I'd trot back down and I'd talk to him and I did that a couple times and finally he looked at me and just said I wasn't married at the time. Heike laid at the cross. Now for whatever reason that resonated it was just like and I that was it. So it's something sometimes just what might seem so simple, but like he said, you know, forgive us our trespasses or our debts. It's like, yes, yeah, stop, because you are forgiven. I didn't need to drag that along like a, carrying a stone behind me. Um, so that's all I just wanted to add. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like if you've got that stinky garbage in your house you don't carry it out to the curb and then bring it back in, right? You, you leave it. You get rid of it. And this, and this is exactly what we do when we lay it at the cross of Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't say, oh, hey, you forgot your sins, right? Yeah, you lay it means leave it. Just, it's done. Yeah. But this goes contrary to our, our natural thought pattern, right? Because our natural thought pattern is somehow, some way, you got to pay for it, or you are less of a person now, and and we do have earthly consequences, do we not? So if we're if we're speeding through downtown Cedarburg and we go through the red light and the police pull us over and and you say, oh, you know, I just when you pulled me over, I had a prayer, I asked Jesus for forgiveness. And I know you will forgive me. And he would say, I do. I forgive you. But this ticket, <laughs> you, you know, here you go. Because there's, there's certain earthly consequences that come with our uh, attitudes and behaviors. Correct? Right. However, from the spiritual end, we are forgiven. We are given that blank sheet. You know, in the scriptures, sometimes we're referred to as the blameless people. Blameless. What's the difference between blameless and perfect? There is a difference. Perfect means I've never done anything wrong. Blameless means I'm forgiven. The guilt's taken away. The shame's taken away. The eternal consequence has been paid for. That's the idea of blameless. So we are blameless people. And it's not because God says, well, they don't know any better. No, it's because even though they don't know any better, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That doesn't mean their ignorance. It means, my goodness, this whole sin thing has corrupted everybody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of their sins if they cling to me, if they hold to me then we get credit for that work that Jesus did. And so like Nancy said, then we get to lay it at the cross, right? We get to, the treasures of Christ become ours. His work becomes ours, yeah. Other thoughts? 
consequences and punishment. Oh, man. Joy had coffee this morning. And I'll bet you some bacon because she's on top of her game here. Is there a difference between consequences and punishment? I think we can call them kissing cousins. Because sometimes punishment is the consequence. And sometimes the consequence, there is no punishment. I don't know about you, but all I had to do was one word and my children were crushed. You disappointed me. Oh, and I could see in their eyes, it would be, could you beat me instead? Right? You disappointed me. So there's a consequence, and I think the punishment they brought was on themselves. Does that, does that work? I'm trying to think, I think you were talking about, where did you see that about King David, where it talks about the death of his, the baby, his punishment, they called it punishment. Yeah, yeah. And I, and thought we, I thought we were always kind of told God doesn't punish, he corrects us, but he doesn't punish. Yeah, and I think sometimes we might split hairs with some of the words that we use, right? So he disciplined, the Lord disciplines those. I think the old King James called it, the Lord chasteneth, right? I have to use that word today, somewhere along the line. I need you. But the word discipline is from the Latin. It means instruction. And sometimes instruction comes with cons by our consequences, Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a story that actually happened. I, as a kid, lived on a farm. My job was to water the animals, the cows, the morning. I had a friend over, and so I got distracted, and I forgot. I turned the water on, but I forgot it. So the whole barn was about this much of a slushy worse. Well, I confessed, you know, because you can't hide that. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, <clears throat> that's not a really a quick cleanup job. father said, I imagine it's a real mess. I said, yeah. So he got up, he went out to the barn, and he started to clean the barn. And my mother says, don't sit there, you go help him. So the two of us cleaned the barn. So it was, the weight was taken off, but in the end, um, he still loved me, and we worked side by side. So God does that too. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you. What does a yoke do? It connects two workers, right? Two oxen. And, and then the neat thing about a yoke, I'm going to sound like I know everything about 19th century farming, but I don't. But what I, what I do know about a yoke is it's adjusted for, to, for the stronger animal, right? Because if you, had the, if you don't adjust it, the stronger animal is going to make life difficult for the weaker animal. We're the weaker animals, right? Come follow me is not an easy thing to do. But Jesus said, don't worry, take, put, put my yoke on. Come on along. I'm stronger than you. I'll take the biggest burden. But you come along, you follow me. Let's, let's do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts on forgiveness? One thing about King David, he confessed yeah. his sins. Yes. Everything that he did wrong, and 
in all my times, even as a Lutheran school teacher, you kind of put David down and all of the bad things. Yeah, yeah. But once you get to read the scripture, he tells the Lord, forgive yeah. me. Yeah, he comes clean. Yeah, he says, I did it. Yeah. He doesn't try to yeah, run yeah. away from anything. Yeah. And he says, Lord, I know I did wrong. Yeah. And, forgive me. And uh, Yeah, and uh, so Jim's talking about, uh, you know, David asking for forgiveness. And the, the, the thing, too, is David doesn't just say, well, I sinned against my family and against Bathsheba and her husband. Lord, I sinned against you. Right. Right? So he, and he recognizes that he's, he's injured others, but first and foremost, any one of our sins is against God. Because if, if a sin is anything that's contrary to God's law and God's will, correct? If I do something contrary to God's law and God's will, I just put myself above God, right? So God, if you say I shouldn't do that and I do it, I've decided that my way is better than your way, that's a dangerous place to be, wouldn't you think? But I find myself there so often, which is why I have a lot of prayers of confession. A lot. Yeah. There was another hand up. Who had a hand up? Heidi. Um, so, you know, when we sin, we just keep bringing it back, like you talk, bring the garbage back in. Um, so what I find reassuring is wherever it is in Scripture that says, uh, make your thoughts captive, to God and obedient or something. Yeah, yeah. Where is that? Where is that in the Bible? Are you putting me on the spot, girl? Because <laughs> yeah, I can't find it. Um, I don't know. You gave me homework now. Okay. Right? But it does, it does wonderfully go in conjunction with the Old Testament line that says, my ways are not your ways. Right. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And what's, and what's the Lord saying through the prophet is, uh, look at me see where I am, and then come and walk in my way. Right. Give up, and it's really about giving up, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So like if you keep bringing that sin back into your mind, yeah. you're like, no, just let it go. Let yep. go, let God. Yeah, yeah. And the devil wants us to kind of. Oh, well, thank you. Did any, I've got mine up there. Did anybody leave this on the? Joy was sharing. Thank you. Okay. Uh, other thoughts? What do we got? Jeannie. So after the, in, when during church services at the way beginning, you know, yeah. confess your sins, but then the pastors always say, sometimes say, like, and it's not like by the authority invested in me, but I. Yeah, yeah. As a called and ordained servant that? of the word. Yeah. So do we need you to say that, or is that just. No, uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. So we start all of our worship with confession and an absolution. And we do that because uh, we recognize that we don't have any right to go before God on our own, but it's all through Jesus, okay? Then sometimes in the absolution, in the forgiveness part, you'll hear the pastor say, as a called and ordained servant of Christ or of the word, I forgive you all your sins. And you think, why do you think you're so great? I've, I've hung around you. 
who are you to go around forgiving sins? And, and the thing is, um, it comes from, it comes from the, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, when he visits the disciples in the last portion of John's gospel, where Jesus walks in and it says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So the idea is he's sending out these workers to represent him. So think of it this way. A pastor kind of becomes an ambassador of Christ. So the ambassador, our, um, our uh, secretary of state is in Ukraine today, right? So whatever he is saying to the Ukrainian leaders, it would be as if the president himself was speaking. He is the mouthpiece. So what we say is the reason we do have a pastor in a church is to preach the word and administer the sacraments as the, the go-between the intercessor. I think we, we hit this one a couple of weeks ago, right? The Old Testament priest was designed to represent God to the people and the people to God. And so this is kind of what we've got going in church. So every time the pastor faces the congregation, he's representing God. Every time he faces the altar, he's representing the people. But this isn't like the Catholic perspective. This isn't, this isn't a deal that says you have to be ordained in order to impart forgiveness. What the pastor's doing is saying, you know, it's as if Jesus were here right now with you saying you're forgiven because he is. Not... not in me or through me, but right next to you. Yeah, it's just this reminder that, the, that um, this, this pastor has been called to make sure that you hear the words of forgiveness, that you receive the sacrament. Yeah, nice question. Right, we do, so in a, in a public worship setting, congregations call pastors. And I think, the, I, it's not that I think, the reason we do have pastors is uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, St. Paul says uh, that all things would be done in good order. So and it's not because we're smarter or whatever, but we had a little bit of training. We want to make sure theology works out okay. But if you go to 2 Corinthians, is it chapter 9? that we, we would be all Christians, are, are ambassadors of reconciliation. Isn't that neat? So when you say to someone, I forgive you, you are representing Christ. Because really, we don't own forgiveness. It's not my forgiveness that I share with anyone. It's the forgiveness that Jesus gave me that I now get to share. Most definitely a gift. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has the same gift. No. Yeah, so we get to to say to one another, I'm sorry. And remember the love story? Remember the movie? Love means... Never having to say I'm sorry. Yeah, what a bunch of... (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man, I got chills just... That sappy, sentimental. All I remember is Carol Burnett. 
did a, a skit on that one. <laughs> and it was just, just Google it sometimes because every time, I don't know, I think she was dying and the guy would say, I just want to say, oh, love means never having to get me a sandwich or whatever. And then, and then, and then the guy, I think the guy had said, I think I have to use the restroom. Love means never having to, oh, no, it doesn't. So, so love means I get to say I'm sorry. Love means I get to say you're forgiven. That we are freed to confess, that we are free to forgive. That's, that's love. You say it differently in the contemporary service, don't you? I do, I do. I say, because I'm so great. Do you, use some, you say something? It's, yeah. it, it's a different wording, and it's not, I don't think you say, I forgive your sins. Yeah, no. No, not always. Sometimes I throw that in there. But we don't always do it in the traditional either. Yeah, it's not always in there. We do every once in a while, but yeah, yeah. Is that something that only like Protestant Catholic churches do? No, as, as a matter of fact, um, my, my relatives in Illinois belong to a congregational church, which is now under the United Church of Christ. And they have a, a hymnal that came out about five years ago. And so not many people do it, but clergy do. When you go to a different church, you page through their hymnal. <laughs> and they had these orders of service. And I looked at one, and I said, they stole that from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. This is ours. And then I looked in the bottom, and it was used by permission from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And it's our confession and absolution, yeah, yeah. which was kind of interesting. What? Why then in the Catholic Church did they come to, after confession, have to say so many our fathers, so many? Yeah, okay. So uh, in the Roman Catholic Church and in the Lutheran Church, we practice a private confession. So Lutheran churches also have private confession. It's not a deal where you have to go before you can participate in the sacrament. Right? How many of you remember that you presented yourself to the pastor before you went to come? Yeah, there you go. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So like a, a Friday or Saturday, right? Friday evening, Saturday morning. Um, and, and in the old parsonage, it, it, we lived over there. It was designed that when you went in the front door, you could immediately go to the right to the pastors or you could go, you could go straight. And, and the reason is that we really want to make sure that we're, we're doing this whole Lord's Supper thing appropriately, that we're just not taking it for granted or going through the motion. It's easy to do that, isn't it? How about the Lord's Prayer? You're saying the Lord's Prayer on a Sunday morning or the Creed, and all of a sudden you, you think to yourself, wait a minute, I just was kind of like ripping through that without thinking, right? Uh, and, and so we don't want to do that with the sacrament either. So the idea was to be able to talk to the pastor uh, about that. Um, so in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, when it comes to penance, sometimes we, our father or uh, ro some rosary kinds of things. Um, um, the idea of penance is I need to put something into it where we really don't need to put something into it. But what Luther would say would be this, that following forgiveness should come the fruits of repentance. 
so that if, if I, I don't know, give me a, give me a bad attitude sin. What am I? I'm... Bears fan. Oh, a Bears fan. And, and, and I humbly repent and I, I'm sincerely sorry that I'm a Bears fan. The fruits of repentance would be that I have spray painted myself green and gold and that I fly a Packer flag. But if I repent of my bareness and, and you go by my house and you hear me singing, bear down, Chicago Bears, that Ted would say, that's no repentance. If I've been cheating someone in business and, and I get caught and I repent, but I go on doing the same thing, it would be easy to say that was a rather shallow repentance. I'm not sorry I did it. I'm sorry I got caught, right? So the idea for, in, in the Lutheran faith, the idea of penance is a little different. The idea is, now I get to live my forgiven life in, to the glory of God and the benefit, the welfare of my neighbors. Yeah. So it kind of meshes with the purgatory thing, right? So, you, you know, you, you necessarily have to go to purgatory kind of to work a few things off on your own, and then you get to go to heaven. It comes really out of this natural thought that I have to do something. Because we live, we live in our world, and it's always been this way. In our fallen world, we live in a culture where you have to prove yourself. Right? Uh, it, it's a merit-based world. Because if you don't eat your vegetables, you can't have a cookie. And if you don't show up for practice, you can't be on the starting team. And if you don't make the quota, you can't have the bonus. So it, it, it's very much merit-based. This is the natural inclination. Where, where when the Lord says you're forgiven absolutely and totally, it's kind of a wow thing. This is why the guy from our, our video, this Mark, was it Mark that lived in Russia? That's why this was so astounding to this guy. Because I'm guessing he's trying to come spiritually clean and nothing has worked. Because if, if, if indeed I have to do something, I will never ever have a conscience that is at rest. I will never know if I did enough. Which, by the way, we can't, right? We can't do enough. Yeah. Oh, did that answer your question? So sometimes I think it's kind of like, you know, just so you know, you got to put something into this. You know, when, when Luther was, was doing his whole Reformation thing, uh, and I think this gets missed in, in, a, lot, in a lot of the Lutheran uh, teaching. Uh, this, is, this is the part that gets missed. The, the, the church at the time said to Luther, but here's our problem. If we go around telling everybody, you don't have to do anything, you're forgiven, then we'll have people who won't do anything and Luther said, you're right. This is why we have to teach, not just justification, saved by grace, 
but sanctification, that we live by grace. That if you are completely forgiven by Christ, your life should be turned around, right? So you got this guy who was a gangster, and he, and he was crippled by his guilt. So he stops being a gangster, but he's still crippled by guilt until he comes to know Jesus. Now he's freed. What does he do? He's part of a mission in Russia. Yeah. So that's the motivator. Is the motivation is thankfulness. Jeannie. The woman at the well, did Jesus forgive her sins? Because I know at the end he said, sin no more. So you could even say after you, then you could say sin no more. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. And then people go, sin no more. And they'll say, you first. So why did, I mean, sin no more is like, oh my gosh, from this day forward, I have to be yeah. better. Which, by the way, by the time I leave church, And not only do we have actual sins, but we have original sin. You know, it's the, the thing. So here you go. I always do this one for my confirmation kids. True or false? True. Always go true. <laughs> always go true. Spoken like a good Lutheran school teacher. I'll ask them. Um, I, I'm a sinner because I sin. And the answer is, turn it around. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. I am a sinner, which causes me to sin. So we don't start life with a blank slate. We start life sinful, right? Born sinful. But the woman at the well then, couldn't, she couldn't live up to that sin Yeah, anymore. so when Jesus says go and sin no more, I think what he's saying is get out of this lifestyle, right? So this is, this is, this is what brought you here. <laughs> Leave it here. Go away. So the woman that's caught in adultery and is about to be stoned, Jesus says, leave your sins here. Leave that lifestyle here and, and go off. I mean, she could have very easily said, well, that's easy for you to say. But I don't, I don't have a job. This is the only way I'm getting money. Support myself or my family or whatever. But Jesus would still say, get out of that. So the idea of forgiveness is um, it's, it's one of renewal. And, and I always say do this. The word is I'm forgiven so that fill in the blank. Right? So that I can live a new life, so that I can forgive others, so that I can get out of this habit. So I can, but, and there are some people, well, all of us, uh, I call them signature sins. We're all addicted to something. Just some things are more socially unacceptable than others, right? So being addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography is the same as being addicted to being an angry person. I know people who are addicted to crabby. <laughs> Do you know any people addicted to crabby? We all get crabby every once in a while, but there are just some, some people who have it nailed. They have absolutely perfected the crabby, and none of those children are crabby. 
But when we are called to get out of the sin, sometimes we find ourselves back in it, don't we? So there's a difference, and I'm not just picking on one sin. You can fill in whatever it is. For instance, if someone's wrestling with drug addiction or whatever, and, and you know, I, I want forgiveness, I want a new life, great, we go through that. And they might come back and say, I fell. And I feel horrible about myself. Well, we need to go to the cross again, right? We need to leave it, just leave it there. And then every once in a while, guilt might pop up again. Oh, I just remember what I did to my family by doing it. Leave it, leave it, leave it. So there's that constant reminder. There's a difference between saying, oh, well, I've got this attitude and this anxiety and I feel crushed by it. And someone who says, oh, well, that's just who I am. That's how I like, this is my very, very favorite. This is how God made me. Well, let's just blame it on God, shall we? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a good one. What else we got? Oh, you guys are good. I think there's a follow-up aspect to leaving it at the cross, and that is, if you've grieved another person by word or deed, mm. go to that person. Mm. That's a great point, John. If, if my sin has to do with my offending someone else, not only do I go to Jesus, it's a good thing to go there first. It's mandatory to go to the other person. Mandatory. This is the one, too. I've, I've worked with folks and, and, you know, so-and-so offended me. Well, why don't you go and talk to... No, I'm not the one who did the offending. They should come to me. It'll be a cold day in the Bermudas <laughs> if I ever go there. No, but what does Jesus say? If your brother has sinned against you, go tell him his fault. It's my responsibility to go to the person who offended me, not wait for them to come. It could be they didn't realize it. Maybe they did realize it. But what a joy it is that I get to show them so that they can go to the cross. And maybe we need to go to the cross together. But yeah, it's mandatory. Oh, here's one. What happens if uh, you sin against someone and you go to them and say, I'm really sorry, would you forgive me? And they say, nope. <laughs> I was injured too deeply, right? Or whatever it is. No, I am not going to forgive you. Well, there you go. What do you do with that one? Because you can't make someone forgive you. You know, you can't put them in a headlock. You pray for that person. Yeah, yeah. And, and just say, you know, I'm just leaving it here. I, I've gone to Jesus. I know he's forgiven me. I know he loves you. I, and I, I just, isn't easy for me to come, but I'm coming and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. Nope. You know what? You did what you needed to do. Didn't you? Didn't that happen to Jesus a lot? Jesus went and did what he needed to do and people ridiculed him and rejected him and it doesn't it didn't tarnish his work. 
So the person that doesn't forgive is now the one who's got a little bit more of a problem. Because if you don't forgive the sins of others, said Jesus, neither will I forgive your sins. Well, that should conjure up a conversation. My favorite eighth grade question is this. What happened if I did something when I was seven years old and it was wrong and I never said I'm sorry and I've forgotten all about it? I said, oh, when, when you die, God will tell you about it and he'll say, go to hell because you didn't ask for repentance. And they look and I say, do you think that's how God would act? Of course not, because we live under a canopy of grace. Um, I, think, I think for the confession and absolution for February, I think I put in there that we ask God to forgive all of our sins, remembered and forgotten, known Unknown, yeah. Because I, you know, they always say count your many blessings, count them one by one, and you can't. And if they would have a, a cute little song that would say, count all your sins, count them one by one, I couldn't do that either. There's far too many. But that yeah. one are all the things you didn't do that you should have Sins of omission, yeah. right? Not just sins of commission, but things I should have done, but I didn't do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we pray with our kids at night. Oh, wonderful. So. Yeah, your mercies are new every morning. You know, Luther would say, when, when you get up in the morning, you should make the sign of the cross and say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because when you were baptized, the, the, you received the sign of the cross and you were baptized with the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So every morning you, you remind yourself of your baptism. And in baptism is where we were given a faith that clings to the cross of Jesus, right? So this whole forgiveness thing. Um, you know, Luther talked about baptism. He talked about daily, that we daily have these contrite hearts, repentant hearts. Yeah. So why don't we do the sign of the cross as a practice? You know, it's, it's interesting because before I preach, I do that. After I have communion, I do that. My very first week here, made the sign of the cross, preached, and then I, I, I got a call from someone later that week. Are you Catholic? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. In the terms of the universal church, I guess I am. What? You made the sign of the cross. I said, well, Catholics aren't the only one that own that logo. You know? And I explained. I do the sign of the cross just to remind me when I'm preaching. I'm not preaching about me. I'm preaching about Jesus. Right? And I, the only reason I have the privilege to do it is because of Jesus. And after communion, I do it because I'm reminded what he did on the cross, which is why I can take communion. Yeah. So I don't know. I, some folks do it in church, which is great. I'm fine with that. I like that. It's a great reminder. We wear them on our necklaces, our ear. Well, I don't have earrings, but some of you might have <laughs> earrings, right? Um, why not make the sign of the cross? Yeah. I don't know why we, do. we don't. Anyone else? Go ahead. Maybe this is the, maybe this is like the absence of forgiveness. But my father, who grew up a very faithful Lutheran, would teach me um, 
if I, the, the threat of burning in hell <laughs> kept me from doing some certain things. So, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have all kinds of threats for our children. <laughs> when when I, uh, I, was, I was single on my vicarage, and I was in Oklahoma City in a suburb, and I, I, I rented a, a little side-by-side. In the back, it was perfect. The backyard was the baseball field on the local public school and the kids would play. So every day when I got home from work, I'd you know, grab my sneakers and my glove, and I was the all-time pitcher, and, and they would play. And I remember one time I heard, Billy, come home, time for dinner. And Billy says to me, oh, one more at bat, one more at bat. I said, okay, get up there. Throwing, missed. I was like, oh. And then I heard, Billy, y'all come home for dinner. It sounds exactly like that. And then Billy's, oh, no, just, just let me hit one. Just let me hit one. So, okay. Miss. Billy, y'all get in here for dinner now. I said, Billy, you got to go home, man. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. Oh, I just want to hit one more. I said, oh, man, God's all powerful, but I don't think he can help you do it. And throw it, and he missed it again. And then I heard, Billy, y'all get home for dinner, or Jesus is going to throw you in the fire. <laughs> I, Billy, go because I'm the next one in the fire. If you don't, if you don't go. Yeah, I guess hell is sometimes a great way of being able to say, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, the, the the real gift is is grace, isn't it? And I noticed Jesus talks about hell, but he talked about hell to those who are far away from him. Yeah. I got to remember that one for the grandkids. Anyone else? Beat that one, if you will. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Oh, well, we've got eight minutes. I like the part about that he talked about in there about expounding on, when you're saying the Lord's Prayer. Mm. I, I mean, you can take that with, uh, not just with the confession, but yeah. you can take it, give us this day our daily bread, and then expound there. Yeah. It just would give so much more meaning to our Lord's Prayer that we so often rehearse without thinking about. Yeah. It, 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 let, me re, let me throw this one at you. So he talks about this, we dare pray our Father. And, and he does in that book. It is when you say our Father, you know, think about these things. When you say who art in heaven, think about these things. You can, you, you've got a pretty good book to do that called The Small Catechism. So you can get it online free, by the way. Um, so... Maybe today that's part of the, our devotion, right? That somewhere at home, read, you know, Luther's, Luther writes, what does this mean when we say our Father? What does this mean? I think that's wonderful. I like the idea of stopping and saying, you know, forgive my sins. Maybe I ought to articulate a few. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. It's a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The table prayer is an easy one to rip through. And I just remember as a kid when we'd be doing that Our Father who art in heaven, and I'd be looking and trying to figure out which was the largest piece of meat that was on the table because I had two brothers across the way from me. Which one am I going to get? Yeah. Yeah, it's easy just to... It, this is the challenge with anything that's rote is that it's easy to be rote. The blessing is 
it's easy for us to remember when it's not right in front of us, right? Yeah. If you do a prayer and you say, okay, tell me what you're thankful for, you go around the table. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, I got to think. Oh, okay. I had a friend who, who told me that at Thanksgiving, they were at someone's house and said, oh, when we're at our home, we go around and we, go, we articulate what we're thankful for. And the person said, we don't believe in God. We don't do that. But think about it. Think about this. If you don't have a God, where do you say thank you? Do you say, do you look in the mirror and say, well, you've got it together. Now, isn't that interesting? Dear evolution, thank you for <laughs> evolving. I don't, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, our rote stuff is interesting. Have you ever, have you ever been halfway through your meal and look up and say, did we pray? <laughs> <laughs> you had this when you were in a seminary, like when I was at Concordia's. Oh, get thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, his mercy. Oh, and oh, get thanks unto the Lord, for he is sometimes good. For he is sometimes good. Yeah. No, I didn't. I've never have found that translation yet. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord, for he's sometimes good. Yeah. According to my standards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've got five minutes. By the way, I found that scripture. Second uh, Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5. 10, where it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take it every thought to make it a Christ. So like when you're when you sin and you want to keep taking that sin back, it's just a reminder that you yeah, you don't have to beat yourself up. Yeah, there's, this is a test. Actually, it's an essay you have to have done next week. As part of your punishment. Very good, Bill. I like that. Someone said, is, is this a test? And I said, yeah, Bill said, it's part of your punishment. <laughs> you get an A, you can go to heaven. Uh, I just threw some things together. Uh, stuff that I've used or I've been trained in or whatever, and uh, feel free to take that home. But it, it talks about, you know, what is confession? You know, confession is really important in that we don't make excuses. Have you ever said this or had someone say it to you? You know, I'm really sorry I did that, but... Yeah, and whatever comes after is kind of like... Uh, trying to excuse it or, you know, putting lipstick on the pig. Um, and, and really, confession is about coming clean, kind of what Jim said with uh, King David. Uh, what is forgiveness? It's being clean uh, through Christ. Uh, what forgiveness is not? Uh, this one is a good one. Forgiveness is not a position of weakness. Uh, it does not invalidate the pain. So to forgive someone, you still might hurt. It's not a tool of manipulation. I'll forgive you if. <laughs> it's not easy. 
not easy. I don't think it was real easy for Jesus to earn forgiveness. Do you? I think it was challenging. Uh, on the backside, what if someone won't forgive you? And then a, a cute little acronym, forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness walks with friends and loved ones. And we have to let things go. Observe it in your devotional life. Uh, relationships, uh, talk about forgiveness. Grow by looking back on your journey. See how Jesus is always with you. Individually, in your time alone, take forgiveness with you. Uh, victor, not victim. We live in a victim society. Do we not? Everybody's a victim. Have you ever noticed that? My goodness, it just drives me nuts. We are, we are a, a very weak, sheltered, victim-oriented society. I don't want to end on that. Even though it's true, um, I don't want to end on that. The three things that all men need is air, water, and somebody to blame. Oh, there you go. That's it. That's it. That's all that we need. Air, water, and somebody to blame. That's it. That's what politics is all about. Have you ever seen a political party on either side of the aisle say, okay, here's where we messed up? No, it sounds like this. We were on the right track, but... Something like never ruin a good apology with excuses. <laughs> never ruin a good apology with excuses. That should be needle pointed somewhere. <laughs> never ruin a good apology with excuses. Man, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I was uh, trained to be a mediator, and uh, one of the things they always said is, is uh, you know, look out for the buts and howevers and if onlys. I'm sorry I did that, but here's what you did first. I'm sorry I did that. However, I didn't think I had a choice. I'm sorry I did that, but if only people would have seen it my way. Yeah, those are, I'm sorry I did that, period. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to be part of a REACH group for quite a few years now, or a couple of them actually, and this topic of forgiveness has come up so many times. And it's personal. Yeah. And this, when we go through this, I mean, I would like to sit down with um, with anybody um, in a group and just talk about just this. Sure. Because it's that important. Yeah. So I'm I'm very thankful that this has come up. Oh, good. Yeah. I don't. You know, you can't talk about confession without talking about forgiveness, right? It's like when when I was a kid and someone would ask for salt, my mother always told me, when you pass the salt, pass the pepper. Don't break up the set. Forgiveness and confession together. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. Have a good day and God bless.